It is yet another edition of What's in to have you along with us. Um, my special guest today, and uh, I'm going to tell you why it's actually quite ironic <laughs> about what my special guest does and what we're going to be talking about. And I'll explain all of that in just a bit, though. But first and foremost, we have to say welcome to Neva Hadas is a partner at a company called DYDX. So we're going to find out what DYDX is all about and what they do. But first and foremost, Neva, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Well, great. We're going to be talking about digital security today. We're going to basically um, be, be talking about remote working and all of these interesting things. So before we get into that, though, um, may I call you Nev, just so that I don't, you know, pleasure. names and everything later on. Um, Nev, can, can we start off with a little bit about who is, who we, who, who are you? Uh, where did you, how did you end up at DYDX? Sure. So, I guess the most interesting part of my background of how I ended up here is I was, I'm old enough, I guess in those days, young enough to have been there for the birth of the internet as a commercial entity. So mid nineties, um, ended up, uh, having a startup in Silicon Valley, uh, from South Africa, which we took there kind of, you know, had the dot com kind of amazing, you know, you know, boom times dot bomb kind of scraped through and at the end out exiting and, and kind of realizing I've always been really fascinated with the nature of work, um, you know, kind of did a, a corporate stint at Kahiso Media, running their uh, as chief digital officer, running their kind of digital teams, and then ended up at coming down to Cape Town to semi-retire and kind of follow stuff I was interested in, which was mostly new product development and design, and you know, and kind of the startup world, and and that naturally evolved into DYDX, which is a company focused on product and service design um, in the digital transformation sphere. And what that means is we really do two core things. The first is help companies find new ways to make money, increase their revenues by providing services and products to, to customers, which are impacted by the shift in digital transformation. Um, and the second one is really helping companies improve how they work internally. And that we do through a team called Culture and Future of Work. <clears throat> and, and, and this evolved quite naturally for us, um, which is kind of how we ended up here today. It was a because we had chosen to, to adopt a different way of working. We thought, you know, if we're trying to build these digital products for companies, we're trying to show companies how they can develop new tools and new services, we need to be behaving and working like it's the future of ready, like the future already. So, so we already need to be thinking about how do we unlock this digital future in how we run our business. And so our teams have been working remotely, um, you know, across kind of Cape Town, Joburg, kind of uh, London and uh, the Netherlands for the last uh, five years. And even though we have an office, it's, you know, you don't go, there's nothing that happens at the office. It's kind of a meeting space, really. There's no HR or something that, that magically occurs only at the office. You know, the, the, the organization is completely virtual. Um, and so we've been living through this and utilizing these tools for quite a while. 
And, and that's kind of how, how we got to this exciting space of digital transformation and remote working and, and what does the future hold for people, you know, as, as employment models and, and how, how the future of work really unfolds. Because, and, and that's fascinating because, you know, it, it is. Everybody's sitting here going, all right, you know, and, and, and some of the, which has now become very tired, the, the, the sayings like the new normal, um, I'm very tired of that now. Um, mm-hmm. and there's just there's just normal. It's not new anymore. Yeah. Um, but but <laughs> how do we how do we do this? What do we do? Um, you know, I've, I've been involved with a couple um, online. Well, quite a few. We do do a lot of our stuff online now, meetings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's been some horrendous things that have happened. And and the irony, as I said earlier on, is today we try to connect via Skype, and for the first time since I've been using Skype. Um, it somehow got locked in a loop, and all you kept hearing, I believe, was did, 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 did. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and then we, well, I reset my Skype. I, res- I assume you did as well. Um, yeah. And that didn't work. And then we went on to um, Google Meet, and I was did, 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 did. But now we're back. So, you know, how does this kind of thing impact in, impact companies? Because, you know, there's there's... What I find is that people will do one of two things. Um, they either fix COVID that's moved everything forward. Um, you know, with, with, in the today's you know, this working from home, remote working. And then after a period of time, and this certainly happened to us in our business, we found out we actually ended up working more because we were right here. Um, what's your experience of that? So, so, you know, we found it quite interesting. So, so because we've been doing it for a long time, we, like for us, it's been really work as usual. Um, the one big difference has been that, as you said, the availability and the fact that people are more locked down in the houses has meant that you're working more hours and people are finding it very hard to differentiate between the two components, the work time versus non-work time. Um, from a technology point of view, though, and I think this is the interesting concept, right? Um, there's a couple of like academic concepts about technical distance and cultural distance when working remotely, but and the distance isn't kind of measured anymore in physical distance, but rather in experiential difference. So you know it's very hard to have a team where some people are very advanced technically and some people are not very advanced technically. Um, you know the technical distance in that team is very big, and then you find that that you kind of get dragged down to the lowest common denominator. And it's very hard for that team to work as effectively as it could. You know, cultural di- difference would be um, different ways that people respond to these kind of events. People that are more set in the ways or less flexible might find it very hard to transition to this uh, way of working from home, which is also very challenging for them. And it's also very challenging for teams to work. So, so I think there are those components that come come to play that, that you have to deal with. Um, but, but fundamentally, what we have found is it's been quite an adjustment for a lot of our clients as they try to figure out what the right ways of them to work are. And, and for us, again, because we've been doing it for a while, we have fairly good routines and methods. We know how to do it. Um, and it's, it, it's quite natural. Um, it's almost hard to explain that in many ways, the effectiveness of the organization really shifts into being output-based versus time-based. Um, and you have to be output-based to give people permission to switch off. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if it's time-based, people don't know when to switch off naturally and they just want to carry on working because the emails keep flowing and no one stops the emails. 
or the messages or anything like that. So you have to decide for yourself, like, okay, I've done what I needed to get done, or I'm on track for this project. You know, let me let me knock off. Okay, well, that's, that's some fairly sound advice. But you know, part of part of what we do is, and we'd also started this. The one aspect of the business is um, moving towards more online-based stuff. Um, my, my fiance is an instructional designer, so she does a lot of online learning stuff and she helps people get their, their, their training everything online. So, you know, that, that sort of a transition was, was not a problem. But in the real world, for example, what we also used to do is a lot of face-to-face training, sales skills. And what we've noticed is, aside from, I mean, Corona really messed up everybody. That was, that was one of those black swan events nobody saw coming. But, you know, a lot of people are, are and I'm fine. You know, when we say to some people, listen, you know, we can still training, maybe just not in person. We can do it, you know, via the, the, the Internet. A lot of people are quite reluctant to do that. And I, and I think people haven't gotten quite gotten their heads around how we're going to go forward with this and 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 work with this because we're not going to go back. I don't think it in in you know to the way things were. I just don't think that's going to happen. What are your thoughts? So so I, I think to tackle the first part of the question first. I think before we go, do we go back or not? You're right. There's a big adjustment in doing things differently, and, and part of that is because we're very used to an office-centric way of working. Um, and, and to give a, a good example of this, you know, for me, it's like Amazon in 1996 or 97 when they first launched and were selling books online. And everyone looked at this and said, this is a terrible bookshop. You can't go in. You can't browse the books. You can't read through them. You can't go and speak to the, you know, the kind of you know, spotty kids with acne and asking what the best science fiction books are that he has and get recommendations, like the whole experience is just terrible. You know, people really complained about that whole experience. Um, And that's because they were judging Amazon from the basis of a traditional bookshop, a physical bookshop, which had some some of those experiences. But when you look at all those things that a traditional bookshop is trying to do, and you look at how Amazon has done them, you realize that Amazon is a much better bookshop at the end of the day. Uh, Firstly, it sells a lot more books than a bookshop does, which which is a plus. And the second thing is the reviews you get by thousands of people, not just the the kind of the geek behind the the counter. Um, and and so you get you get a very different experience. You have to kind of adjust yourself, saying, well, what am I actually trying to do? If if a bookshop's job is to sell books, right, is a physical bookshop or a virtual bookshop a better bookshop? You know, is Amazon or the physical bookshop a better a better bookshop? But how you judge it, and you almost have to go back to those first principles when you look at at work and what you're trying to achieve at work, right? If you're trying to build a sense of you know physical camaraderie and, and those kind of things, then yeah, then I guess a physical location office is better. But you lose a lot of the benefits that you could get if you're trying to build an effective business or trying to create more communities. There's a lot of other benefits you get that people just don't see it because they're judging it from the lens of, I used to do this, as you said, like the instructor and the training thing, I used to do this in person. I can't imagine doing it remotely. But but I'm sure that once people have done it a couple of times remotely, they go, oh, wow, this remote training actually has a lot of benefits that I didn't need that, you know, that are better than the in-person benefits that I can now do. And, and that's what we often find is as people, you know, you have to rethink your the way you deliver that work 
But once you do and you re, re kind of reconsidered it, people often go, oh, wow, this is actually better in some ways than what I was doing before because it actually teaches me more effectively or I get more time to focus on it. I don't get as many distractions as having lots of people in that office or the, the kind of in that meeting room. It's actually just me and the instructor. It's, it's more focused. So, so those are the kind of things that we see happening. Now, do we think that, do I think that things will go back or, or not? I think there'll be a small reversion back to more people wanting to go back to the office. And, and in all the research we've seen, all the research kind of we've done, it's generally because their, their kind of lifestyle or where they are, at their home situation doesn't allow them to work effectively. It's not quiet space. It's, it's, it's very disrupted. That often drives people back to the office. Sometimes it's because of managers. Managers are struggling to lead teams remotely. And so they want people back where they can see them because that's how they manage. That's their their primary management tool is you came in at nine and left at five. And, you know, whether you browsed Facebook during that time or not, I feel like I've got some control. Um, but but we think the reality is really going to be this kind of hybrid, what they call distributed teams, where some people will be at the office and some people will be remote and it will be a lot more flexible. So, you know, people will be working from lots of different locations during the week which is is difficult for companies, I think, because it is more taxing for managers to have a mixed modality of management between physical and remote. And from an infrastructure cost, it's more expensive for companies because they have to understand how do they right-size their, their kind of property and their IT and all the other requirements that they have to meet this mixed, mixed use of remote and at the office. And, and so, so I think, yeah, so it will be, you know, we're now swung to remote work because of COVID. As you said, it's a black swan. We'll probably have a little bit of a kind of pullback towards, oh, God, I can't wait to be back at the office again and, you know, kind of hang out with people. And that might be a short spurt there as well. And then slowly but surely we'll start people saying, well, actually, can I work at office only three days a week and I want to work from home for two days? And that whole mix, that fear of if people are at home that aren't working will fall away. And, and suddenly you'll get this mixed modality where people are hybrid, where people are in different areas at different times. Fantastic stuff. It is what's involved. My special guest uh, is Neva Hadas, um, one of the partners in a company called DYDX. Now, when we come back, we're going to be telling more about remote working and digital maturity. And I also want to find out from Nevo uh, what DYDX means. So when we come back, we'll find out all about that. We're back. It is what's involved. And my special guest, uh, one of the partners, uh, in DYDX, it's Nevo Hadas. Nevo, let's start off, because I was intrigued. I, I was trying to think, is this a fancy name? Is this a name that I need to pronounce a certain way? Do we call it Didix? What, what, what is, so where does, how did you get DYDX? So, so DYDX actually comes from uh, calculus. It is the rate of change. So it's the change in Y. D is the symbol for the change in Y, or the differential in Y over the differential in X which is how you measure the, the speed at which things change. And because the business is very much focused on helping companies transform and kind of meet changing environments, we felt it was a fitting name uh, to have that. And that's, that's how the name came about. Fantastic. I love, I love on the website, it's got uh, one of, one of the, 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 the paragraphs here says, we are nerds, geeks, goofs, cynics, movie critics, believers, artists, and quants. Left brain, right brain, ENTP, INTJ, designers, persuaders, teachers, coaches, coders, writers, analysts, and my favorite one of all, spreadsheet jockeys. Is, is that what, because it, 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 
this is coming across as a, a, a kind of a young, funky kind of, you know, quite a quite a fresh brand. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, right from the start, you go right in big letters, you've got the we work differently. Is, is this something that uh, you've wanted to do and, and, and have this? It's different. I mean, this is not like like what corporate South Africa is used to in any way, shape or form. Yeah, uh, so, so it is something we want to do. So, so I think, I mean, the interesting thing is it's not that young. The, most of the people in the company are probably 30 plus, which is interesting. It's, it's quite an older age profile uh, of business. Um, the, the resources are very diverse. So basically the thinking behind it was, because so much of what we do is trying to find new ways of looking at things. When people are stuck in jobs and the job is about what they need to deliver every day, day in, day out, what we found is that you almost look at the problem, you know, the whole hammer and nail situation when all they have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Um, by not having that structure, we are able to, to see problems a lot more openly and come, come up with solutions very differently. Um, and so, yeah, so a lot of this was by design. Uh, probably the hardest thing we did by design was to change the concept of employment. So, and, and this is actually, if you, if you want to know the things that, that, that corporates often struggle with when they first engage with us, it's this concept is that very few of the people actually work for us, as in like full-time employees. Um, our vision of this was, you know, having kind of worked in consulting businesses and having seen how businesses and kind of the, the concept of employees interact, we looked at a concept of, um, you know, getting rid of that whole structure. So basically, you know, if companies' number one fear is always that people are their assets, which I don't think has been legal since about late 1700s, right? <laughs> and uh, but but it's still it's still pervasive, right? We still say, oh, these people are my assets, and 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 companies have strange policies which are all about trying to hold on to these assets. Um, more so than trying to grow the assets or let the assets, you know, not be assets, but maybe people, like maybe have families and things like that. So our take was, okay, well, what if people aren't our greatest asset? What if it is purely relationships or how we treat them? You know, what, what happens if we get rid of that employment contract in this kind of make-believe world where, you know, I have security and tenure if I have a, you know, if I have a contract with you and, you know, I, in theory, own you as a resource if I have a contract with you. Uh, both of which aren't really true. Um, and you get rid of those constructs. And what you find is that you end up having to change how your business reacts or kind of revolves around its people, which I think also adds to them being more creative. It adds to them coming up with better solutions and adds to their focus and effectiveness. Because on, on, the, on, the, on the kind of, I guess, the downside of it, there's no promotions, right? There's nowhere to go because everyone is an independent contract that's working together. Uh, we've borrowed a concept called X-Teams, which is very much these externally focused teams, which a lot of research has shown are far better at coming up with solutions because they're not stuck up in a concept of their internal culture. They're far more focused on the culture of the project they're trying to resolve. So by utilizing those kind of techniques, we increase people's effectiveness, but it also means that there's no hierarchy. There's nowhere to go because there's literally no, nowhere to go. You, you know, everyone's the same level um, and, and the titles are all the same. Uh, so that kind of keeps things quite, quite kind of stable. But in many ways, there's none of the gamification of employment where you feel like you're going up the ranks, which, you know, can be emotionally very rewarding. 
Um, yeah, things like that. So, so it's very interesting. And again, I think this is part of this future of work uh, trend and, and dig- part of the digital transformation that you're seeing with companies as they move up the maturity levels, because we don't really care how many hours you work. That's not relevant. The way it would often work with us is you put on a project with a project team. Uh, the project team often involves the clients quite intimately. So we work closely with our clients on that. And we're there to solve a problem or to develop a solution or something like that. And and that becomes what you're, you're primarily involved with. And you might be involved in two or three projects, but you only have projects. There's no corporate you know, meetings and there's no kind of like none of that stuff. It's you're there purely around these projects and your focus is to deliver the best products you can. And that becomes the culture that you adopt. And when you finish that project, moved into a new project, you get a new set of cultures. You get a new set of rules, a new set of way of working that helps you solve that problem specifically. So, so the culture also shifts. But with that shifting culture also means that, you know, it said there's no, no fixed employment, there's no salary, it's purely, you know, fees based on the project and kind of your, your input on that project. So, so it's quite dynamic. It's quite a, quite a different way of doing things. As you were talking about this, Neva, I can, I can actually see people on, on both sides, both from the employee, employers and the employee's side having absolute heart failure as you're talking. Because we've yes. never done this in, in this country. Number one, you don't trust staff enough generally to, to let them work from home because you're convinced all they're going to do is sit on the couch and, and watch uh, Netflix. Uh, and, and number two, um, this is what a lot of us get brought up with. And, and certainly in my age group, we got brought up with, you know, go to go to school. After you finish school, you go to college, you go to university, get a degree, get a job, stay in that job, um, figure out what the career path is there and retire in that same job. Now you're going, well, it's not really a job. It's, it's, it's more of a, 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 a contractual basis. It's more of a project basis. Um, this would then imply that these kind of people that are doing this work, um, number one, they're not employees, so there's no benefits. Leave. People I can yep. hear already are screaming about leave. Where is my <laughs> 14 days leave? Um, when we come back, can we can we address some of those subjects? And can we also then talk Definitely. a little bit about about who would a prospective client be for you? Sure thing. Fantastic. My special guest is. Uh, Nivo Hadas, and he is one of the partners at DYDX. We're talking digital maturity. We're talking remote working. Um, and as we progress through this thing called life, where does technology take us? When we come back, we'll be finding out a little bit more from Nivo. And we're back. It is What's Involved. And my guest is uh, Nivo Hadas, one of the partners at DYDX. So just before the break, Nivo, I, I was saying that I can just imagine both employees and employers having fits of apoplexy, uh, listening to us talking about this. Um, how, how, I mean, you must, do, do you not experience some resistance to change? Um, yes and no. So, so as I said, we, often when we work with new clients, there is a lot of apprehension. There's, there's a bit of concern going, what do you mean none of these people work for you really? And how does this work? And there's a fear that you know, people are just going to leave mid-project and they're going to be flaky and it's all very loose. But, but the truth is a lot of the people, even though they're project-based, have been working with us, you know, three plus years, four plus years. So they have very long engagements. And most of the projects they're on last about a year or a year and a half, you know, kind of getting renewed every three or four months or changing and morphing. And, and the, the most interesting thing is most of the people that work for us don't want to actually 
Well, initially, it's interesting. So initially, everyone comes in and a lot of people say, oh, no, I want to work a full week. I want to have this, you know, nine to five experience. Some people then realize, well, actually, there's no point in this nine to five experience because no one's watching my hours. No one really cares how long I'm working because I'm not going to an office ever uh, or very rarely. And so because most of my stuff's remote and most of my kind of meetings are online, and we're actually very good at having very few meetings and focusing more people's time on actually getting work done because a lot of time works, work doesn't get done in meetings often, you know, maybe in workshops and those kind of things. But often, you know, you just need time to sit with an idea and think it through and do the detail and do the hard work that makes an idea develop, um, you know, the perspiration versus the inspiration phase. Um, and, and so we find that we give people a lot of space to do that. And whether they want to go surfing in the morning and then come and do it or do yoga halfway through the day or walk their dog, like we don't care. No one cares. Um, and so very quickly we go away from this idea of you get paid for time to you get paid for effectiveness. And very quickly people catch on to the idea of, well, hold on a second. I've got a lot more flexibility in my week and times. So some people say, oh, I don't want to work Fridays. And they'll coordinate with their project teams to ensure that they have the space to not work on Fridays. Um, which is very easy to do. And, and, and so that flexibility becomes a benefit that they have all the time. So if somebody wants to go away for three or four weeks, they can. You know, if, if they go away and they are in, you know, one of our, I remember one of our consultants, we did a lot of work in Paris uh, for Allianz, which is an insurance company uh, based out in Paris, uh, looking at cross-border insurance between Paris and Cote d'Ivoire and Francophone Africa. And, you know, we have to fly to Paris, you know, it's been about two weeks in Paris every six weeks. And after that, one of the team leads there would say, cool, I'm going to go to Kenya now for a week and just chill in Kenya because he had friends there and everything else. And it's not a problem. He's still working. He's just in Kenya. You know, when everyone's remote, it doesn't make a difference where you are. You can still do your job and can still kind of deliver, deliver the functionality. So, yeah, so in some ways it's terrifying. In some ways I get it. It, it terrifies me and we often kind of we, we debate it and we discuss it often. But in many ways, when I speak to people that are doing it, they've actually made these choices that this is how they want to live their life. They've actually chosen to move on to this kind of model because they get to learn more, they get more flexibility, and they get to pursue other passions as well. You know, we're not, we're not kind of jealously holding on to every minute of their day. And if they want to take another project with another company for a while, while they're working with us, it's fine. It's, it's not an issue. You know, it's, it's, it's great. The more they learn, the better it is for us. Um, you know, as long as the work is good and it's delivered on time and it's the quality that the team expects. And we spend a lot of time on that, on psychological safety, on how we interact with each other, how we work together, the ways that we work. That's really where we put our investment and time in so that the effectiveness is there and that keeps people engaged. Um, and, and I think that really is, in many ways, the evolution of digital work, of the future of work, is that as, you can, as people leave an office environment, leave the 95 construct, you know, the first step is, oh, they go flexi time because now, you know, they can, they don't have to work nine to five. They can say, look, I want to work half day Fridays. And that becomes an initial negotiation. And then once you get into flexi time, people start saying, well, maybe I can part time or maybe I can just contract to you as an employer because actually I'm a specialist in something. And that kind of makes sense in how this business works. And the business makes sense for them because they don't need this person on staff full time. So they get to save some costs the person gets to kind of grow as a specialist because they get to, to work on more projects. So they're quite excited about that. So you find that those kind of behaviors start naturally evolving and then companies need to change because suddenly now you're saying, well, this person doesn't really work for me. How do I now manage them? 
And as a team lead, I can't say, oh, if you don't do this, you won't get a bonus because maybe that person doesn't get a bonus anymore. There is no bonuses. So now how do I manipulate you into doing what I need you to do? Well, I've got to find a very different ways and maybe it's not manipulation. Maybe it's, you know, it's very different management techniques. So, so I think the technology bit of digital transformation is what we're seeing right now. But what we'll see over years is the cultural aspects of digital transformation, which will be the changing nature of employment and how people react, kind of work with each other in the workplace. And I think that's the exciting part over time, that, that evolution is really, is really the exciting component. I would agree with you there because it, it, it is absolutely fascinating. And, and as, as, I, as we were talking now, I was trying to picture some of our, our larger corporates, the more staid corporates, literally quaking in their boots because, you know, and I mean, I've worked with somebody before um, and that was almost the sole measure of, of whether you were working or not was whether your bum was on that chair from nine until five. And, you know, we would we would do whatever the project was. We would get that finished quick, quick, quick and easy and spend the rest of the time messing around, watching YouTube yeah. videos, doing this, that or the next thing, because this person insisted that nine to five, that was the measurement, not how effective you were, not if you could get the job done. Whereas I would be more likely to go, this is what the project is. Um, and again, as you said, I, I would then turn around to the team and go, I really don't mind, you know, we need to have it done by this date and this is what it looks like. Knock yourselves out. If you want to work all day Saturday and Sunday and take Monday and Tuesday off, that's fine. But it horrifies many, many people. Um, when we come back, because uh, uh, sure, time's flying again. Uh, Neva, when we come back, can we talk about who your ideal customer would be? Because I, I know people now listening would go, okay, but then how would these guys fit in with us? So when we come back, let's talk sure. about uh, your ideal customer and then where to in the future for you. It is what's involved. And uh, my special guest is none other than, uh, he says, clearing his throat, Neva does, uh, one of the partners at DYDX. Uh, and we'll talk about that website as well, because I just love the website. All of that and more when we come back. And we're back. It is what's involved. And uh, my special guest chatting to me, Nevo uh, Hadas from DYDX. Uh, for the break, we were talking about uh, the kinds of businesses. So so what kind of business, Nevo, would, would, would you want to work with or would want to work with you in terms of this whole sort of digital maturity thing? So we find that there's interest and there's businesses that we work with across the range of business sizes. Mostly they're larger businesses, so around 100 people minimum, just because at smaller size teams, often the complexity of working remotely effectively isn't felt as strongly. Uh, you don't have the layers of management and you don't have the, the complexity of internal teams. Um, if you look at our clients uh, in this area so far, it's you know people like Vodacom, people like Smolin, uh, so so fairly large companies that have worked with us um, in in this regard. Okay, fantastic. So these are people essentially, you know, if somebody's listening and it's they're a, they're a CEO or a CFO or whatever the case may be. If they now have this 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 challenge, people are working remotely. Um, they don't know if they what 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 they're kind of doing properly. 
they're concerned about it. They're concerned about um, whether we're going to get back to everybody being in the office or not. This is where you would be able to come in and, and, and assist them. Am I correct? Correct. I mean, what, what we find generally is a number of steps that, that they should go through to, to try and solve this problem. So the first one is really understanding where they are as a business. Um, and what we've developed over the last few months is a, a digital maturity assessment where, where teams evaluate themselves or evaluate other members of the team to try and understand the behaviors that they have and how effective are they working remotely. Um, and, and this helps us measure engagement. It helps us uh, measure understanding where they are in their uh, development uh, to become you know, kind of kind of transformed and and able to be disrupted, able to get all the benefits of digital transformation and remote working in the organisations. We often find companies are lacking in policies. So one of the 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 key research uh, feedbacks is my company doesn't have effective remote working policies, um, which cover how people should should behave from home or how they should be interacting. Um, with others or what tools to use, um, you know, a range of those those kind of issues come up. So we find that it's it, it's a, a kind of stage engagement that works really well. Firstly, working with the, the leadership and executives to understand what should my policy be? How should be I be approaching this? You know, people are working from home. Should I allow them flexible time? Should I not allow them flexible time? How do I change my employment contracts to allow for this? and so forth. So that, that's almost the first level, the strategic level of, of where are we going with this? How do we adapt the, the, the broad guidelines? From there, what we find is we often do a lot of engagements and workshops with teams, specifically the high impact teams, so the sales and business development teams, because what, what occurs is, and we saw this a lot over COVID, suddenly your sales team has to sell virtually. They can't go and visit the customer's office anymore. They can't take the person out to lunch and build a rapport that way. So how do you make sure that your messaging breaks through and transcends the noise of their daily um, daily life um, utilizing virtual means only and how do you close those deals? So again, that was a very interesting uh, area of, of engagements we've had with teams and helping them work through that. And what we've also found that's really critically, impo critically important for these teams is the concept of team agreements and working agreements between each other. So. Um, you know, if, if you look at what has been happening with management science, specifically over the last 10 years, we've learned a lot of new things. One of the key things is about psychological safety in teams and how important psychological safety is for all the members of the team to be able to contribute effectively. And this has come out through research like Team IQ, which shows that when teams have high levels of psychological safety, they feel they can share their ideas in an environment, they collaborate well, when they give those teams IQ tests, the team performs at a much higher level on the IQ test than the individual members do on their own. In other words, the teams, when collaborating well together, can support each other in those in those areas. And, and now as this research is starting to hit more mainstream kind of business thinking, you know, there was a lot of coverage in this from Google. Um, we kind of help as part of the remote working structure, create working agreements that promotes the psychological safety element, which also then drives more collaboration and more effectiveness. So there's three levels. Uh, there's the policy level. There is the practical, how do I do my job better from a sales level or from an operations level and those kind of things. And then there's the team psychological safety level, which is how do I collaborate more effectively with my teammates, even though we're not all at the same office and we are working remotely and separately. 
I think what you guys are doing is, is, is fantastic. And I think it's a, it's a great service that you're providing. I know I do a lot of work with a company called uh, the Sales Institute, also based in Cape Town. Um, and that's one of the big things that we found is, is sales teams are at a total loss now. Um, you know, we've been dealing with some of the guys and they're like, okay, but how? We don't know how. We're so used to having it done in the old-fashioned way where you go and, like you said, you have the coffee, you sit down, you meet face-to-face, you build rapport. So I think it's essential that uh, that companies are, are out there and are improving on those kind of skills because just sitting on a, on a, on a Skype call, a Zoom call, a Teams call, whatever it is, um, there's a lot of things people don't know. Um, because it's such a new way of doing things, uh, you know, um, and, and I think one of the things, I don't know if anybody's spoken to, to you about this, Neva, but when when we sort of are talking via a Teams or a, a Skype or whatever the case may be, particularly video calling, um, you kind of, what, what I do, when I sort of want to lean forward to pay attention, but then it feels like the people mm-hmm. on the other side that are also leaning forward are getting into my space. Yeah, it's a weird, weird feeling. And there is an etiquette there as well, isn't there? Correct. I mean, the interesting thing is we actually don't have the right equipment uh, at home to do this effectively, to to do a lot of the video calling effectively. Um, What what we find is, and, 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 you know, is is in general, the, the positioning of the camera on the laptop isn't ideal for prolonged video chats. Um, and e- even the way that Zoom sets up or, or, or Teams sets up their cameras, if you look at all those little talking heads, is, is cognitively very disturbing uh, for the human eye, which is why you have this concept of Zoom fatigue. Uh, you know, too long on calls, you know, you get exhausted, the bit rates aren't right, uh, the brain has to work very, very hard from a cognitive load perspective. When you bring that into a sales environment, what's happening that's, that's interesting is that the people that do this really well actually have a separate webcam that is positioned at a slightly kind of like kind of different angle, um, still allowing eye contact, and it's actually at a different height to their laptop. And they're utilizing that as their their primary way of of projecting into the into the meeting. And that gives them far better control than a laptop type camera. And those kind of things are, are things that you have to learn with time, things that that kind of experience more experienced teams have done. Um, and have got in place, which simplifies, you know, if you are going to use video calls and you are going to be be utilizing that technology, it simplifies how you do that and really improves effectiveness of it. You know, even things like Teams backgrounds or Zoom backgrounds were not done well, create more cognitive load than take away cognitive load because they, they're flashing and there's something weird about those images, which is very disconcerting and, and attracts a lot of the mind away from the message being conveyed. And so those are the things you need to look at uh, too. Okay, well, that's that's some great advice. One of the things that, uh, you know, it's one of those cases of I wish I'd known then what I know now, because if I had, I would have gone out and bought every last um, webcam that I could find, because <laughs> I don't know if, if situation has changed yet, but um, we were looking to buy some additional webcams a little while ago. There was not one available anywhere, anywhere. Yes. You couldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, uh, and yeah. also with lights, right? The right lighting, which is the other thing yeah. you need with a webcam. You know, the, you need the lighting to come from the front, not from behind you. Um, all of those kind of things are, are really, really impactful. But, but I think that's that's the benefit of of moving down this this process is that as it matures, the equipment will now I think improve dramatically, um, and and teams will have a better understanding of what it means to to work remotely, what they need to do to do this more effectively.
Yeah, indeed. Um, we, we, we're about to wrap up now, Niva. Just uh, quickly before you go, um, I like to ask uh, my guests just to bring a little bit more of the humanity uh, of, of the people we interviewed to the fore. Um, so two things I'm going to ask you. The first thing is, tell me one thing about Nevo that uh, people don't know. I mean, they might know Nevo, the business person, but tell me something about you that, that people don't generally know. I am a terrible surfer. Um, I love surfing <laughs> desperately. I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. I'm terrified of large waves. I am a horrible surfer. But I, you know, every weekend, if more often I try and I get out there and I, I do my best. Well, there you go. I tell you what, you're a step ahead of me there. Um, and then finally, Nevo, um, what, what's next for DYDX and, and Nevo and the team? Where do you guys see things going? So, you know, for, for us, our, our plan, you know, we're obviously continuing with the digital transformation uh, approach. We think there's a long way to go for businesses and there's lots of exciting things that we can do there from the remote working perspective and helping people along that path. We've just partnered with Red and Yellow um, and creating a leadership course for them to help uh, leaders manage um, distributed teams. So, you know, we see the future of people being in the office and people being at home or people, you know, doing this hybrid of both. And how do I as a leader now manage those teams? How do I make sure that I've got the engagement and my culture is right? And, you know, I can can help my teams by building psychological safety. So that's a focus for us to kind of expand in that area. And then, and then to continue with our consulting and working with with businesses and helping them along this journey, we, we, we're really inspired by it. In some ways, the future of work and the changing culture for us is kind of, you know, something something that speaks to all of us. Um, it's something that's benefited all of our lives, and and we hope we can share that. We can hope we can kind of you know make, you know, we don't think that work has to be as horrible as it used to be necessarily. We think that there's there's a future of work which is you know, far more inspiring and far more allowing of people to to have more time to be with their families, do their hobbies, you know, and, and bring more creativity and energy when they are working in into the workplace. I think that's brilliant, and I support that 100%. Niva, if people want to get uh, hold of, of you or DYDX, uh, where do they go? Um, easiest way to go is dydx.digital, which is our website. There are you can just kind of send through a request form or you can email me really easy, nevo, N-E-V-O, at dydx.digital and probably the easiest way to get hold of us. Okay, so it's N-E-V-O at dydx.digital if you want to get hold of uh, Nev directly. Alternatively, uh, check out the website. It's brilliant. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Really cool website. Uh, Nevo, thank you so much for taking the time out and, and having a chat to us. And we wish you and, and the team and the company all the best. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. There we go. That was my special guest. Once again, uh, Nevo Hadas, dydx.digital is where you can go uh, if you want to have uh, some more information, want to have a chat to the guys. Uh, From me to you, one last thing. Thank you for listening.